kids, it's time for another episode of the Fueled by Weird podcast, the only podcast that has been able to travel across the multiverse and not disrupt the timeline. I'm Chris Daly, and today I have the pleasure of chatting with the founders of Insymmetry Creations, Matt Knowles and Steph Cannon. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, doing good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, doing great, man. Just, uh, you know, glad that we're alive. Glad that we're alive. Yes, Glad sir. that we're here with you, man. <laughs> I'm very happy that you guys are here. I've been wanting to meet and talk to you guys for a long time, so I'm very excited. I know, I'm surprised that it's taken this long, but I guess, you know, that's that's just uh, that's scheduling for you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's my fault, too. I've been wanting to start this show forever, but I just haven't been able to get it out there. But with the help of my lovely editor, Jackie Daytona, he kind of helped push me into the realm. So I think this is episode 18, so I've not been around no, for very okay. long. But, you know, it's we're here, and that's all that matters. That's exactly yeah. right. All right. So usually how I like to kick things things off is when I'm meeting someone new for the first time or talking to them, you know, face to face for the first time. I like to start with an icebreaker question. So the icebreaker question for today is what is your first memory? Matt, let's start with you. First memory? Um yeah. okay. So my first memory, and there's actually pictures of this, was Somebody at my house when I was a little kid was having a birthday party, and I guess I wanted to try and eat one of the pieces of plastic fruit that was in the fruit bowl <laughs> at my house. He still and does my, that. And my mom would <laughs> let me do it, and I sat on the floor and had a temper tantrum, and there is a picture of this. He still does that, picture. too. <laughs> yeah. There's a picture. It's one of my picture albums. So, yeah, that goes way back. I, I mean, that's as far back as I can I remember. But that's me. So mine is, and it sounds kind of grim in a way, but uh, mine was my grandfather's funeral uh, because he had his ashes spread at sea and so, or ocean or some body of water. Um, so I remember being on the boat. I was three. And I remember like running into this room full of people and I guess I lost my parents, you know, or I couldn't find them or, and I kind of freaked out. Um, and I remember like the water being kind of rough and, and that's all I remember, but I know that that is definitely my, my earliest memory. So no, no temper tantrum, I don't think, and no eating of plastic fruit, but, but that is definitely, uh, my earliest. Very nice. I think for mine, I've got a couple and actually I was going to, the one I was going to share, it's, a little bit later than the one other one I remember, but I remember I was sitting in the kitchen and I was eating green beans out of a bowl, but I was breaking them open and just eating the seeds out. And then I would just take the outsides and throw them in back into the bowl. My mom's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just eating green beans. She's like, no, you have to eat the outside parts <laughs> and the inside parts. I'm like, well, I only like the inside parts. So not That's quite. Like my, my, uh, <laughs> so my daughter, my daughter will only eat the 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 tree stalk of the broccoli she won't eat the top part she has to eat the tree part and that's like that the stalk that's it that's all she'll eat she doesn't want the tree part wants the stalk so that's like the worst part i know it really is <laughs> hey we got to get her to eat vegetables and like if that's all she's going to eat then you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh not gonna look a gift horse in the mouth <laughs> yeah that's not gonna be the hill you die on that's right right on all right. Well, you know, for the concept of Fuel by Weird, basically the idea is, you know, all the things that you're into, all the interests, hobbies, all of that stuff, that's what makes who you are. And essentially that's what fuels your weird. So Steph, what are some of the things that feel your weird? 
So uh, as we were talking about before we uh, went live, uh, I'm a runner. I run an insane amount of miles that usually somebody, you know, has some grand reaction to, but um, I run about 100 miles a month, every month, yeah. no matter what's <laughs> happening. Wow. Um, it is my, the only time I'm a busy mom, busy business owner, a writer, traveling all the time. Uh, so um, that's pretty much my only alone time. So I, I know some people, because I'm very regimented about it, and a lot of people give me a hard time about it, which is always kind of odd to me that somebody would, would you know, uh, give me a hard time about something that's good for you. But uh, it's also my my mental space. It's the only time I get by myself ever, ever. <laughs> so um, I get up insanely early to do it, and I have goals, and I've done a lot of races, so uh, I, I guess yeah, I see you have a lot of trophies behind you there. Yeah, yeah. See, that's all my that's <laughs> all my. I've done twenty one half marathons. Wow. I've done two full marathons and and countless five Ks and ten Ks. Um, so that I guess I wouldn't really necessarily call it a hobby, but it is definitely one of my passions. One of the things uh, that I love to do when I'm not writing, for sure. No, I definitely think you can count that as a hobby, and you know it's. People like to give you crap for, you know, having, you know, this is the time I run. If you can't find me, this because I'm running. You know, if you don't set that time for yourself, it's, you know, you might not ever get a chance to do it. So yeah. it's very important to create those boundaries. Like, you know what? Make fun of me if you want, but this has to get done because if I don't, then I go crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need this time. I need my running time. Yeah. Well, if anybody's yeah. trying to find her at 4.30 in the morning, man, I want to know who that is because that's yeah, exactly. I mean, like before the sun even comes up. It's it's an insanely early time, but if my alarm goes off and I'm up, then I'm up. I know that I've, I've got no excuse. I may as well get up and, and do something productive. So yeah, there you go. Awesome. Well, Matt, what about you? Man, I thought Steph was going to tell you that like she's got a closet full of shirts for every single holiday out there. Like it doesn't matter what the day is. Like you want to talk about the weird, doesn't matter what the day is. She's going to be like, I'm wearing my, my shark week stuff. I've got my shark week outfits for the week. I've got my, the one day she doesn't have it. I'm like, I'm claiming it as Arbor day. I'm like, we got to find you an Arbor day shirt. Because, I would wear an Arbor day shirt for yeah, sure. She's yeah, got them yeah. all. <laughs> I, I, I'm all about tradition and, um, um, I can't think of the word right now, but you know, that, that type of thing. It's early. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm all about uh, like creating those memories. And and I hope that one day my kids, my kids are teenagers now, so it's not like funny to them anymore, but maybe one day yeah. they'll look back and be like, yeah, you know, my mom always had, you know, we always watched, you know, Die Hard on Christmas Eve and we always watched Jaws on the 4th of July. And I just have my things that I, I love to do, but maybe one day they'll look back and, and think fondly about that when, you know, I'm no longer around. So and maybe but, keep, uh, yeah. keep that tradition going. Yeah. I, I'm a huge horror enthusiast. I uh, write, uh, I'm a film critic and I do articles for Fangoria and Creepy Kingdom and awesome. Horror Buzz and Horror Geek Life. But anybody that sees me on social media knows that I love Jaws, my favorite movie of all time, and uh, I love sharks. So I'm just a, a big horror enthusiast. Very cool. So for me, I'm a, uh, you know, they remember the old commercial before Zach, Zach, he's a Lego maniac. Um, they used to call me Matt, Matt, he's the Lego brat. Um, <laughs> been a, you know, been a big fan of, of Legos um, for, I've literally still have every Lego that I uh, ever had since I was like three years old. I still have them all in my oh, possession. Wow. That's um, awesome. I, 
I haven't got a lot recently just because, you know, the, you know, stuff is expensive, but, um, my living yeah, room is sure. covered. My living room is covered in Legos. There's probably over a hundred thousand pieces on display in the living room. Uh, all the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit Legos. Um, I'm a huge sports nerd, huge uh, fantasy football player. I have, let's see, I'm in five pro fantasy football leagues. Now I'm in three college pro college uh, football fantasy leagues. I do a college fantasy football podcast for CFP Dynasty. Um, I referee soccer games. I've refereed over 5,500 soccer games over the last 23 years. Um, so yeah, I'm a busy person. Yeah, I always see on social media, you guys are always up to something. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so busy. And, you know, I'm that's admirable about your Legos because I think there's a bunch of cool ones I used to have that, you know, you know, moving out and moving around, I they got, I don't know where they are now. I've started to kind of re-establish a small Lego collection. Um, I recently got a Chainsaw Man Lego guy. Um, he's not hes not an official Lego. It's kind of like a fake Lego. Yeah. Um, but you assemble it all together, and it's the guy from Chainsaw Man. Um, I actually got a big giant pirate ship Lego set for my birthday like three years ago that's still in the box because I haven't <laughs> had the time to put it together, but it's oh, yeah. so cool. But yeah, it was, it was pretty spendy. And going off on a weird tangent, Steph, um, my daughter growing up when my seven-year-old and she was much smaller, she was really big into sharks and she used to get a lot of guff from people because she's like, they would say sharks aren't for girls. You can't be into sharks. Sharks are only for boys. And it was kind of funny cause she would, she'd give them the business. I mean, only being like two, three years old, she'd be, she'd be pretty upset. But, uh, for a long time, you know, we would take a shark toy and we'd go, nah, 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 mm -hmm. nah, like from Jaws. So for a long time, she actually thought that's what sharks were called. Yeah. So it was really kind of funny. <laughs> so she goes around, where's, where's Nana? Like, what are you talking about? Like grandma? Aww. No, Nana. <laughs> so yeah, it is pretty funny. She's not so much into sharks as much as she used to be now, but now that she can get into her own thing, but that was just kind of a, a cute, funny story that she'll like to hear because she likes to go back and watch these later when they're on the internet. So. Nice, nice. Well, I, I had the same thing growing up. I was always into quote unquote, not very not girly things. And, you know, yeah. in the eighties, that was not ever, no one cares as much. Yeah, anymore. it's but, true. <laughs> but, uh, but back then it was like, you don't play with yeah. Barbies and you don't have, you know, unicorns all in your room. I had like posters of Jurassic Park. <laughs> I just, I've always been into horror movies. And, um, and so my room was filled with like, you know, what would, stereotypically be known as boy things and I got a hard yeah. time for it too but but now I'm now I'm a good mixture of both so yeah 80s and 90s were a hard time for kids because you yeah. know it's like girl stuff or for girls boy stuff or for boys yeah. that's it but it's like no it's really for everybody like who cares hey. all right so um let's shift gears a little bit so you guys you know you mentioned you do a lot of writing stuff Matt you also do quite a bit of writing yourself what was it that got you guys inspired to become writers in the first place? Steph, let's start with you. I have wanted to be a writer since I was probably 10 years old. I I uh, grew up an only child. So I spent a lot of time watching movies and writing my own stories, even from the, I mean, basically from the time I was able to write. And then when I was in fifth grade, the local newspaper, which, you know, there was, <laughs> it was, a, you know, it was in the 90s. So there were still yeah. newspapers that were read by people. Uh, they had a short story contest for Halloween. So it was like scary stories. 
and I submitted a story and it was for everybody. It wasn't just for kids. And I ended up winning. My picture was in the paper and nice. my story was in the paper. And from then on, I, I was like bitten by the bug. I wanted, that's all I wanted to do all the way through high school. I was, uh, I actually really originally wanted to be a journalist, which is fun that I get to write articles now and kind of live out that part of it. Um, yeah. Then, you know, I, I, life got busy. I became a mom. Uh, I, I took care of my kids and that was, that was pretty much my existence was just focused on them. And they finally got old enough to a point where I started realizing I can kind of do some of the things that I've always wanted to do now. Now is the time to, to do that. They're older, a little more self-sufficient. And, um, I realized that a lot of the stories I had been picturing in my head, uh, seem to be in comic form. And so I I took like six months to learn how to write comic scripts and um, uh, started writing scripts for like a graphic novel. And then eventually I found a couple of online, uh, there was like an online competition called uh, Ghost City that um, was having a, a competition for like one page comics. And like, oh, that's really easy. And that's, that's a lot cheaper than <laughs> paying an artist to do a full graphic novel. Yeah. And I was a finalist in that. And that sort of launched me into the indie comics world. And I started meeting people and, and finding out about other opportunities. Very cool. Matt, what about you? Uh, so for me, um, I always was into writing poetry and lyrics and things like that. Um, I dabbled when I was in high school. I was was on the, the newspaper staff but didn't really write a whole lot of articles. I was the guy that like did the crazy stuff. Like I remember like reviewing like the cryptic slaughter album and stuff like that and getting it in the school <laughs> newspaper, which was hilarious at the time to see like this extreme grindcore album reviewed in Boca high from, uh, you know, the richest city in the country at the time, you know, in their high school newspaper. <laughs> but um, I always was a, was a lyric writer. I, I was a musician since I was, um, you know, right at the tail end of being in high school um and i played for quite a while until uh the end of the the 20 between 27 20 and 2010 and just got burnt out um i was in a band that toiled in the underground for quite a while released a bunch of cds did one tour in europe um had a couple of pretty famous people in the band with me at the time um that went on to do famous things that are actually still doing world tours literally like today um, but I just got burnt out on the whole thing because the market just wasn't designed, uh, to sustain itself and, I uh, just got burnt out on it. So I just stepped away and, um, probably about seven years later, 10 years later, I still always had that itch. I wanted to write more music and, uh, but I wanted there to be something more and I wanted there to be music with a story that all kind of fit together. And, um, so I started writing a couple of songs. I still had the vibe. Um, and I wanted to do just a quick little short story and a couple songs in a short story turned into a full album and an ebook into an illustrated novel. And I thought that I knew what I was doing. I thought that I was like, oh, cool, I got this comic and all that. And I had some people that were telling me, you need to learn how to write comics. And I met Steph and she was like, yeah, let's, you know, you're doing something really cool here, but you need to try and uh, let's let's actually make it into a comic. If you're going to say this is a comic, let's actually make this work and so when she and i met that uh really helped to take uh the knowledge and the project management and the stuff like that that i had and the the understanding of what the medium was and when you put the two of us together it really helped us to be able to formulate the things that we've been doing for the last five and a half years 
Nice. So that kind of brings me into my next question. What was it that that led to you guys meeting and creating in Symmetry Creations? You want to start this one, Steph? You want me yeah, to? Yeah, Efer, that's it's, for it's, either it's, one it's an interesting, It's an interesting origin story. Yeah, you, you can awesome. go ahead. Okay, so um, back in the day, in January of 2018, we both had a mutual friend in the industry that we don't need to name who the person was, sure. but um, they were running a comic company and were just getting, at the time, some unfair and unfortunate, just people were just piling on and ripping this guy um, unfairly. And um, I jumped into this thread very early on to show the guy some support, felt like the, the, um, the piling on was unjustified. And this thread basically became viral and it just comment after comment after comment after comment, hundreds of comments, weeks this thread went on. And three, three and a half weeks after this thing started, Steph put a comment in this thread and I got the notification that somebody had commented. I went and looked at it and her comment was very similar to the comment I had put on there three and a half weeks ago. And I clicked on her profile and she had some cool art on there. And I just messaged her. I was like, hey, the, the art that you have in there looks really cool. It was the- Which wasn't my art, by the way. <laughs> it wasn't it was the art, art for my story. Right, it wasn't her art, but it was the, the story that she did for that Ghost City Comics competition. Yeah. And that her putting the comment on that thread, um, also in support of this mutual friend three and a half weeks later, um, and her having that one page story on her profile, um, I made a comment about that. She made a comment about some of the stuff I was doing is at the time I had um, the first Heirs of a Sealder album done and it was out and I was, I had just finished issue two of the, uh, the quote unquote comic. Um, and she was able to look at those first two issues, see how it was integrated uh, with the music and the issues and she really liked it and we just started talking from there and it was very quickly that we realized that the knowledge that we thought we had in the industry that while we both had a lot of knowledge that we needed there was like this giant chasm um of some of the things that we didn't know and luckily the other person had the knowledge that we needed and so very quickly and early on um we knew that there was probably going to be a partnership that was going to be there. And I think we, we made the agreement to start doing in sim a couple, probably five months later, and then actually legitimately incorporated it as a business right about the year mark of knowing each other. It's awesome. And it's always a sign of a good partnership when, you know, you meet, you know, one person or a group of people that, you know, you each have your own individual thing that you're, you know, fairly decent at, and, you know, you got your parts that you're missing and you've, these other people that you've met have that part you're missing. So that's very cool. That worked out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one of the neat things about it too, is that, you know, it's tough, especially running a Kickstarter, running a Kickstarter right now. And a Kickstarter is a very lonely prospect. It's a very lonely thing when you don't yeah. have people backing and it doesn't have the, you could have a thousand unless you're unless you're Brian Polito, every person that has a Kickstarter campaign goes through that. Why is nobody backing us? Um, and having somebody else around to keep you sane and keep you in line definitely helps because one of the best things we do for each other is make sure that you know we give we give people we give each other a little bit of room to just barely go off the road a little bit, but we're not going to let that car steer off the cliff because everybody's right. going to have their times of emotional outburst or frustration 
let them have it and then get them back on the street and then kind of move forward. And that's, that's been one of the biggest things uh, that we both provide each other is that uh, we make sure that the other one doesn't get too caught up in the emotion, positive or negative, keep them kind of grounded so we can focus on moving forward as a business. Yeah, props to the people that run Kickstarters all by themselves on their own and not not just that, but to fulfill them on their own as well. Um, yeah. Because I, I can't even imagine doing this alone or by myself. And, uh, you know, Matt's in Florida, I'm in California and I try to be there for every fulfillment possible. Uh, yeah. But there's times when I just can't for various reasons and obvious reasons. But yeah. I'm still there on the other end of the the video chat and helping him sort things out and and um, you know categorizing things and making sure. So there's still things that I'm able to help with. So even yeah. though he may be doing all the physical part, there there's still things that we're helping each other out with. And I cannot imagine either one of us having to do that by ourselves. So props to you guys that do that on your own because it is a, a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, even you know, since you can't be there physically, even just having you there talking to Matt, I'm sure, Matt, I don't want to speak for you, Matt, but I'm sure that probably helps a ton to make you just not go completely insane. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the things that we do, too, is that, um, as Steph alluded to, uh, we're on video chat every day, just like if we sat in an office in cubicles, we just are on, you know, on video chat. And we do everything that we do on Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google Drive. Um, you know, we everything we do is is web-based uh, wherever we can. So when it comes to, say, Kickstarter fulfillment, uh, we're on the video chat, Steph's got uh, the Kickstarter campaign up, or she's got the spreadsheet up, or um, she's got a pirate ship, and she's going through navigating some of those things or doing the, okay, this package here, we got to make sure we have this, 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 and this in there. And so there's definitely steps that can be done that don't need to have both physical bodies in there. And, I, and honestly, I think the last two campaigns, we probably got that process down to like really, really fine tuned and actually really worked out well. Yeah, I actually enjoy it. I, I it's a lot of work, but I, I I oddly enjoy Kickstarter fulfillment. It's fun at that point when the campaign is over to kind of look back because there are days where you're getting backers and and you're great, you're always grateful and you're always excited. But the fulfillment aspect of it, when you're putting somebody's uh, package together with whatever it is that they they backed and purchased, and you're filling out their name, and you're we we like to write notes, we like to send notes, um, even if it's just a quick little note that just says thanks, you know, <laughs> we try to do a little bit more than that. But um, you're kind of spending time focusing on that one backer for that okay. moment. And that's kind of when the gratitude comes through because you think, oh, you know, this is a person, this is a brand new person. Or we get, one of my favorite things is we rem we remember our backers. So even though it might not be somebody that we knew, because, you know, you always have friends and family or people in the industry that will back you. But what we love is seeing a name that we're like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I've never heard that name before. I don't know where they came from. And then they return the next time and they they back you again. And that tells you, okay, they liked our stuff enough yeah. to want to support us again and we remember those names and so that's that's really fun that there's these backers that that back us and support us that we know by name even though we may not have ever even met them before yeah and that is cool i mean you know the kickstarter people that'll put that little extra effort and like i understand it's a lot of work i've never done one i can just imagine how much work you have to go through but 
the ones that do include those little notes like that. I think a matter of fact, I think from your guys' last two campaigns, I still have the notes from you guys. Oh yeah. Awesome. awesome. No, awesome. it's just it's just cool that when you put that little lecture in there, that's awesome because it it definitely shows that you care and which is which is really cool. Um well, the way we look at it too, man, is like I, I subscribe to and we subscribe to the audience of one concept. And what that is is and this comes from the music world where it doesn't matter if you've got an audience of one person or 1,000 people that are out there to see your concert, that one person deserves the same level of performance as the 1,000 because that 1,000 is made up of 1,000 individual people. Yeah. So, so everybody needs to be treated with the same importance. And so it doesn't matter to us if it's a, a dollar backer or it's a physical backer, or like a digital backer or an entry-level backer or somebody that's you know buying at the you know hundreds of dollars worth of stuff from our campaigns that person is taking their time out to invest something of their time and their dollars into what we do and every single one of those people is valuable because you need every one of them to make that village so to speak to make your project successful so that's why we do try to make sure that there's you know a note if we can in a physical package we try to make sure that there's something extra in a digital package other than just you know the digital pdf we try to make sure that the pdfs have got something extra in there so that that way people see hey this isn't just somebody out there making a money grab they are really putting a product out that they not only believe in but they want to make sure that you feel like you're getting your money's worth out of uh, out of the money and then the time you're investing in that product definitely now i do want to talk about the kickstarter i just had one other thing before we switch to that I wanted to kind of get a gauge from you guys. So when you're coming up with ideas for all your stories, um, whether it's stuff you guys do together or stuff you guys do on your own, where do, where do you get your ideas from? Um, I think that the, the answer is yes. Ideas come from everywhere. <laughs> ideas come from every single place that you possibly can. Um, one of the very first things that, that Steph and I did when we decided that we wanted to work together was we created a spreadsheet, um, a Google sheet, and every idea that we possibly could come up with, we would just log it up there. We'd, hey, I had this idea. And then we just kind of brainstorm and talk it through and, and just throw the concept up there. And quickly, we had like 26 different ideas that got thrown onto that spreadsheet. Oh, wow. And some of them haven't been touched since then. Some of them we revolve back to like we even just recently talked about some of them because there's a few that if we wanted to pursue a, a project, we could utilize some of them together just haven't had a chance to. But there are a lot of ideas that are on that sheet that started in 2018 that turned into pieces that were used in Tales from Nocturnia. There are some pieces that were used as a um as a, a catalyst for Misfits Clubhouse. Um, so uh, you never know. It's like you capture it all and then just see where you go from there. Um, but it, some of those ideas came from me. Some came from Steph. Um, some of them come from, you know, personal experiences that we've had. We always try to write, you know, people that we know into stories. We have people, one of our most popular things is for people to select a draw me in tier. We always try to make sure that those draw me ins, we give people a little, um, a little something, some you know, to make sure that they're they're uh, happy with what's there in a uh, Misfits Clubhouse. The last story in the most recent issue is called Barrel Peril. 
and there were six different people that got drawn into this little four-page story and we wanted like i guess it was like a shirt or something like that to have a, a plane on it i don't know what it was or a soccer ball we wanted the soccer ball to be bouncing down the street and our artist was like okay so so you want that on that barrel and what about the other ones and we're like oh crap that's a really cool idea and so we went to every person's barrel and put something that was unique to them on the barrel they had no idea like our our videographer we put his company logo on the barrel and he saw he had no clue until he opened up the issue and when he saw that he lost his mind he's like that's my logo <laughs> my logo's in the comic that's so awesome that's awesome it's evolved too it's kind of interesting because i know in the beginning when we were writing that or compiling that uh spreadsheet there would be times that i would just say something like just random, like a saying or whatever. And that would be like, hold on, wait. And he like, literally make me stop and he would go right down. And, and and our styles are very different in that way. Whereas Matt's kind of a, a mad professor where you could say one sentence and five minutes later, he's got this whole world created and built. And there's probably five characters named. And, <laughs> and you know, he's got, he's got the ending and it's like a 20 series thing. <laughs> whereas I'm, <laughs> I'm more of like a distracted cat where I, I, my style is kind of like, wouldn't it be cool to write uh, a jungle adventure? And there's like ghosts <laughs> and people are like, okay. And, and I'm like, I don't know. I'll figure out the rest later, but wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> so somehow those, those styles mesh together. Um, oh, they, they definitely but, do. Because as soon as she comes up with the concept, I'm like, okay, cool. The jungle style with ghosts. What if we end it like this? And they're like, yeah, okay, cool. Which now we've never done it. that, but um, well, and now too, we 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 have established titles, so those those brand new ideas are a little fewer and farther between, yeah. uh, because uh, and and for those that don't know, Erasmus Sealdor is the the our steampunk time travel series, and that's Matt's series that he created and was working on when I met him, that we now are um, co-writing the the current uh, story arcs for, and. Tales from Nocturne was our medieval fantasy series that was a spinoff of theirs. And I Am Keto, which is the title that we're going to talk about uh, right now that we're doing a Kickstarter on, is also a, um, a spinoff from that. So, so most of what we are doing now are established titles based off of an original title. So, um, but, you know, there are definitely ideas for new original standalone uh, creations down the line, for sure. That's awesome. I mean, and actually, when I come up with ideas, I'm I'm a lot like you, Steph. I'm like, what about this idea? Well, well what else? I don't I don't know yet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, but we'll it's figure like, it out eventually. Yeah. That's that's really cool. And I know I'm I was attracted to Airs originally because I'm I'm a big steampunk fan. So I thought that was really cool. And then Matt, you can't be a mad scientist. I mean, wearing that awesome top hat. Yeah, you exactly. Have, you have he, to be a mad scientist. Absolutely. That top hat absolutely. is so dope. <laughs> he well, is now known as Top Hat Guy. He gets yeah. he, there's there's times when people are like see him in regular clothing, and uh, they they're like, I didn't recognize you without your top hat on. Like he goes out and shopping <laughs> in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what she's what she said about the Top Hat Guy. So um, I do a lot of panel hosting, MC, and get conventions. And yeah. I did a I did a panel with uh, the Terrifier Two cast and um my wife is, is super jealous of that by the way <laughs> so so did a panel with the, the terrifier 2 cast and um i was walking backstage 
to wrangle them up to get onto the stage and um two of them were back there practicing the uh clown cafe song and i had no idea that this was going to be a part of the panel and they're like oh yeah we're going to debut the live version of the song on the panel right now and i'm like okay and so on the fly i had to figure out how to make that work well i didn't realize that they were filming all of this for some like backstage for some uh some uh you know little instagram you know shorts and things like that so partway through they have got shots of me kind of helping to put this together and they're flashing underneath that top hat guy top hat guy. my name is not in the video at all <laughs> but to the guy. terrifier guys and top to their agent guy. i'm just top hat guy so we uh we just saw um david howard thornton at um at geekcon we actually got a ride in the uh Right in the the, the uh, yeah, we, bus yeah. from the airport over like hey, right what's, in the airport guy? what's up what's going on <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i showed my wife that picture and she's like your friend met art the clown and i'm like yeah man isn't that awesome yeah she was so, and you guys got to yeah. ride the bus with randall graves that yes with randall cool. too i know it's That's just, so rad it's so fun that that has become such a part of what we do now uh that Nat has had the opportunity to to be a convention MC slash panel moderator host uh, because he's really good at it. And uh, he has a really good rapport with celebrities. They like it because he makes it fun, makes it interesting, gets the crowd hyped up, which of course the yeah. celebrity is going to like when they get up on stage and know that people are actually excited that they're there. So because of that, we've had a lot of these opportunities where we've gotten to meet some pretty cool people and it was fun that David Howard Thornton actually remembered, I don't want to say us because he doesn't remember me, but he remembered Matt. And um, top hat guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> top hat guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, you know what? We'll take it. <laughs> so it's kind of cool that we are, we have evolved this thing where we're riding uh, airport limo shuttles with, you know, Randall and Art the Clown. And <laughs> well, let me tell you, let me tell you. Uh, Art the Clown in real life. Oh, like, it's so we funny. literally we literally had to convince we were there with uh, the Scout Comics guys and we were sitting at the, the hotel restaurant and I was like, dude, I'm like two tables over. That's that's Art the Clown from uh, from Terrifier. And he's like, where? I'm like, that dude right there. He's like, no. I'm like, dude, seriously, that's Art the Clown because he just is such a unassuming, calm, just 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 normal nice, nice guy. guy. Like you don't think that you that never right there is that sadistic, insane, yes, butcher <laughs> lunatic in the yeah. like he he knows how to turn that thing on and just go to a completely different place. That's so cool. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I was gonna ask, because my wife will kill me if I don't ask how how art the clown is in real life. Yeah, he's yeah. It, it, I mean it's exactly like Matt said. You would never know, and this is probably good for him. Uh, if you passed him in the grocery store, unless you knew, unless you had seen a previous interview, you would never know that that was the guy who played Art the Clown because the makeup is so amazing. And he's just so different looking and so, like Matt said, unassuming. He's nice. He's He just seems like he just has a genuinely good time going out to the conventions and meeting fans. But you would never know. He's, he's completely, he's not... Um, there's been a couple of people that we, in the horror world that Matt has interviewed, not to say that they aren't nice too, but you can kind of see their little, you know, they, they just kind of have that aura about them where you're like, okay, I can see how they could tap into that weirdness or that, you know, terrifying character 
because they're just kind of a little off-putting. That's not the way with with him. He he just is the most normal uh, guy that you would meet. That's awesome. And I also have to ask because my wife's other favorite horror character, I believe you've met before, Matt Richard Brake. Yes. How is yes. he in real life? She she loves Doomhead so much. Richard Brake. <laughs> absolutely freaking wacky on stage super super nice guy super nice guy but he's one of those guys um <clears throat> i would say he's one of the two people that when i interviewed him on the stage if the convention was getting fined per curse word that was coming off the stage so <laughs> i mean every other word was like richard break was he was um yeah but he was he was a fun guy he was a wacky guy and, and one of the things that uh one of the things um because one of the shows i do most of the panel hosting and seeing is called spook Hall. and mm -hmm. the venues that they use are like a big open air venue and they set it up like a concert stage on one end and there's um there's big screen monitors on the different ends and all that um so everybody gets to be a part but i always tell people i'm like look if you want to ask a question there's an open mic i want you to come up there now as soon as we can get to that question we're going to get to it because i don't want to have us sit up here and talk about stuff for 45 minutes and they get to those last couple of minutes and we don't get a chance to answer the thing you want to answer and man those people when richard brake was up there they were like i mean we probably had people <laughs> asking questions from like a couple minutes in wow yeah there are a lot of doomhead fans there too yeah. so <laughs> she's in good yes, company a lot of doomhead fans that's awesome and i got to do one more tangent really quick because this was a big one for me when i saw that you met kevin smith steph yes I want you to tell me a little bit about that real quick. okay so well and and this is i, I it's incredible how it worked out because matt has the honor of inter interviewing all these celebrities but I have nothing to do with that aspect. Usually I'm hanging out at the booth. I do help him with the research. And a lot of times since it's horror conventions and I'm such a big horror fan, I may know a little bit more about the celebrity than he may, not always, yeah. but sometimes. Yeah. And so I do help him with the research aspect of it. But one of the perks is if it's somebody I really want to meet, all I really have to do is tell <laughs> him I really want to meet this person. And then I get to jump up on stage at the end of the interview yeah, yeah. and meet them briefly and get a selfie with them, which is really fun. It's a nice, nice little perk that I have. So, um, and, and I mean, I would say almost every celebrity we've met has been amazing. They're just kind. And I mean, they're not going to be there if they don't enjoy meeting people. So Kevin Smith uh, is going to be at Spookala Tampa in October. And I told Matt, I, I, we found about that and I freaked out because Kevin Smith, I'm a huge fan. Oh, same. I told him, okay, yeah. So I told him, I said, that's somebody that I want to meet probably more, almost more than anybody else. Yeah. Because I run uh, so much, I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's just kind of, I can zone out and listen to them. I listen to a lot of audiobooks as well. But Kevin Smith's okay. podcasts are have been a part of my life for seven, eight years. I mean, long, long time. So it's, it's literally how I start my day almost every day is listening to him. I'm yeah. more a fan of him than I am his movie. I mean, I do enjoy his movies, but I'm more a fan of him as a person right. and just his philosophy in life and the things he's been through and uh, just his sense of humor, you know, and uh, it's been a tough year for me. And so having that 
in the mornings that that kind of levity and you know giving me something to laugh at it's been a huge thing for me so normally when we meet celebrities it's it's like okay that's cool and I don't want to bug them I don't want to know they're busy so it's right. usually very brief he's the one person I told Matt I'm like I have to tell him what that means to me because he's publicly had a very difficult year too uh, and struggled with some mental health things. And he's been very public about speaking about it in a a very good way that's spoken to me. So um, anyway, so we're at GeekedCon in Shreveport, Louisiana. And Kevin Smith was like the headliner there. It was all the clerks people. So Jay was there, Jane Hughes, um, Kevin Smith's wife, uh, his daughter, and a bunch of the clerks people were there. They were the headliners. But um, there, Matt was not uh, moderating those particular panels for the show. And so I said, okay, Kevin Smith is there, but I, we're, I'm not going to get to meet him. Matt's not doing an interview and the guy is going to be busy signing autographs all day long. So not getting my hopes up. The only way that it would happen, because Matt and I were guests of the show. So we have access to the green room as well. And so I said, the only time it will work is if I'm back there at the same time with him in the green room. And I would still not go up to him because I'm like, I don't want to bug him. And, you know, it's, yeah. you know, that's he's trying to eat or whatever. But we knew that we had an in because Matt, because Kevin Smith is going to be at Spookalas. So we said, well, you know, and Matt is very, <laughs> very outgoing and has no shame. He's like, <laughs> I'll go up to him and talk to him and just introduce myself as the as the panel host and MC of Spookala, which, of course, makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, so all weekend, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, if we go back there, it's going to be back there. And I'm like, it's, it's not going to happen. So it was Saturday. And I think it was later in the day. Saturday was like a 10 hour day. It was really long. And um, we were kind of going back there, you know, to get snacks or drinks or whatever. And we're like, we can't make it weird and just keep going back there every hour, you know? (laughs) And at one point, Matt said, why don't you go back uh, to the green room and, you know, uh, grab us some drinks or something. And, and if, you know, he happens to be back there, text me and I'll come back there. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, he's not going to be back there. I go back there and there's nobody in there except for Kevin Smith. (laughs) He was just sitting down and he was talking to Joey. um, Joey Joey Lord Adams. Thank you. Uh, So they're having a conversation. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe this. And so I text Matt. I'm like, he's back here. (laughs) So so Matt goes back there and I'm like, well, I'm not going to interrupt you know, Kevin Smith and Joey Lord and Adam's uh, conversation here. But, you know, we have every right to be back there as well as guests. And so we kind of hung out and we, like eat a donut just to make it look like we were doing something. And it was a jelly filled donut, which we both hate. <laughs> I'm like, this is for Kevin Smith. We have to do this. And um, so finally their conversation wrapped up and she left. And of course, right at that time is when the uh, the showrunners we're coming to get him uh, for some uh, prior uh, an engagement that he needed to be at. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, so Matt quickly went up and introduced himself and they talked a little bit about Spookala. So I got to shake his hand, Kemsmith's hand and and say hi. But then they were, they, he needed to be somewhere. And so yeah. there was that little part of me that's like, I just need to let him go and I'm not going to be able to tell him. But then he, as he stood up and just, I'm like, <laughs> so I just so, was like, yeah. if you just have a minute, I just want to tell you. <laughs> it was fine. Steph walked up to him and it. Steph walked up to him and, and shook his hand. And I'm like, okay, she didn't even introduce herself. So when we got a I breath, when we got a breath. I like introduced her by name again to give her a second opportunity. And that's oh, when yeah. she was like, I just got to tell you this. And he was like, oh, thanks a lot. Let's get a picture together. And gave her a hug. And I'm like, 
It's pretty cool. Kevin gave Smith me two just hugs, asked Steph. Awesome. <laughs> Kevin Smith just asked Steph for Steph for a picture. Like that was pretty cool. That was a nice, a nice little moment because that definitely was not what either one of us expected. No, I was glad that that was able to happen because yeah, Saturday was a really long day and just getting that little bit. You never know. That could have been something that affected him in a positive way. We know when people come up so. to our booth and and uh you know we had a couple of kids a couple of uh, teenage guys that came up to our booth um at geekcon and they came up they looked at some stuff they came back a little bit later and they were like we want to buy some stuff from you guys you guys are one of only three different booths in this whole place and one of the other ones was andrea from scout who was right there with us that actually stopped and talked with us and actually showed that you cared that we were here and they came back multiple times and actually kept on getting stuff from us and really like they went home read some stuff came back the next day we joked about you know we're going to give you a quiz the next day and one of them came back the next day and was just like there's this character and that character and this and that and just completely just engrossed himself in our stuff so we're like we know that we had that kind of impact on those guys and those guys had impact on us who knows what kind of impact that had or if it did on kevin smith to have somebody interact he seemed genuinely touched he was very very nice i wasn't going to ask for a selfie or anything like that but as soon as i said you know i just wanted to tell you how much i meant to you know you mean to me that's when he's like well let's take a picture i'm like well all right you know and and he he gave me the hugs and matt got a picture of him hugging me at one point i'm like this is this is amazing just talk about serendipity if i had not gone back there this that would not have happened so i hope that i had a little bit of impact in telling him exactly what he meant to me and why so that's awesome yeah, I'd I'd be the same. I'd be scared to death to talk to him. Oh. And I'm I'm like you. I I'm a huge fan of of him as a person, as him as yeah. a creator. And you know, like you know, I've had a pretty hard year this year as well. And there's been times where I've been very upset, and it's stuff that he's done that's helped. You know, like you said, bring a smile to my face. So it's yeah, he's definitely on top of my bucket list to me for sure. So that's really oh yeah, got to me yeah. Him. That's, I had that. That's one that I was I was nervous for, and usually I, I, at this point now I don't get as nervous. Yeah. Many people just kind of want to say, "It was like, wow, yeah. that's really cool." But he and I, I mean, I got like emotional afterwards. After that, oh. thankfully I didn't in front of him, but I did because you know I'm just thankful to Matt for that because I, I probably I I don't think that even if I had been back there I would have I would have felt like I was bugging him. So, one but we had a legitimate reason to approach him. So one that thing I've learned about these celebs. One thing I've yeah. learned about these celebs is that I always tell people, I always try to treat them like we're on the same level and not because I'm trying to, you know, raise my social status because we're nobodies in the industry in that respect. But just when I'm on the stage doing an interview with them, we are both equal. We are both doing the same job at that point. And that job at that point right then is let's make an entertaining panel for the audience members. Let's make a panel that's going to show well for the individual that's on the stage so that when we get off the stage, those people that are listening are gonna wanna go back and and continue the conversation at their booth. And yeah. so at that point, that crossroads, that intersection, that individual and myself are existing on the exact same plane. So we're just humans doing our thing at that point. And so yeah. that's when I approach people like that. I've done interviews. Some of the coolest interviews I've done were with 11-year-old uh, Jackson Robert Scott from uh, Lock and Key and Amy Donald, who was 12, who did Megan in the Megan movies. 
you know, awesome. uh, so I've got to do you know, interviews with them. And, you know, with uh, Jackson Robert Scott, we actually became friends with his family. Um, we, uh, his sister was there at the show and we made sure to give his sister something. We were like, hey, you know what? You know, we want to make sure that you're recognized too because we know your brother's the star and you're here with your parents and we don't want you to be the person that kind of gets left out because your brother's the one everybody's back getting the autographs from. So here's something for you too. And the parents really appreciated us taking time out to recognize the person that was just there kind of as the tag along, as the sibling. That's and cool. so that's that's how we always approach interviewing celebrities. And I think that they appreciate that too, because we don't I don't get on the stage and go, you know, oh grand celebrity that has been in a movie, you know, you are so amazing. No, you know, I respect what they've done, but we're up there to do a job and and I treat them like any human being would want to be treated in that situation. That's awesome. And that's and that's a good way to look at it. it kind of makes them a little less scary. And and real quick before we get off of the subject. Don't let Steph undersell her importance in the the research aspect of what we do. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we do is um, whenever we get the list of celebs from a show, we will do a Google sheet. And if you ever see the pictures of, of these panels, and I've got my tablet up there, that's because there's a Google sheet that we've done. A lot of research, a lot of questions, make sure all that stuff is there. But that starts off with me putting the names on there. And then Steph goes through some exhaustive research on each person making sure that she kind of sifts through that initial, um, you know, tons of information, gets it on there. And then I can then go in there and say, okay, how do I want to build on this? What are the movies I either need to watch or rewatch or refresh myself on? But she sifts through a lot of that insane crap at the beginning that I just don't have the time to do as well as she does. So don't let her undersell her importance in making sure that those panels go off without a hitch because without that that early prep, those panels don't come off the way that they do. I enjoy it too. It's 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 fun too, especially when it's the horror people because may know a little bit about it or may, they may have starred in a movie that I enjoy. But when you do that deep dive, you learn all these, these interesting little things. I, I try to find some little tidbit about them that is uh, different than their acting career. You know, it might be that they're involved in this charity or that they um or you know a black belt or something you never know the random things you're going to learn about somebody when you do that extensive research um so I, I try to find those things for him to bring up on stage and a lot of times they've told him oh you've done your research like that I don't get asked that very much I'm like, yes <laughs> I did my job but yeah this I I'm you know it's the journalist it's the uh, writer it's the it's in my DNA literally to be a researcher <laughs> got a lot of hey, PhDs just, in the family you just, so you, know. you kind of add that little personal touch to make it a little bit more personal yeah. that's awesome that's definitely something they'll probably remember for sure then too yeah we hope so yeah definitely all right so enough tangents I apologize for all the tangents you guys we're here to talk about I am keto so let's get to it. All right, so I Am Keto is our fictional Far East fantasy horror graphic novel. Uh, it's a one-shot that does spin off from Heirs of a Sealed Door, um, but it is designed in a way that we don't want anybody to be intimidated and think, oh my gosh, I have to go read the rest of this other universe to understand what's going on here. Not in any way. Uh, this is Keto's story before he was called through a portal. So everything in this graphic novel is taking place prior to him being called through that portal and attaching to where he's at in Heirs of a Sealed or the Perilous Prospects. Um, it's, uh, we say it's like Mortal Kombat and Soul Calibur meets Mad Max. Um, it is not something where you're, we're talking about there's gonna be some tournament or anything of that nature. It is the vibe, the aura, 
you think about the kind of characters that you see um, in those games, uh, there are some characters that have got a, a, a positive bend to them. There are some characters that have a negative bend to them. And, and that's where the feel is. It's set in the fictional Far East. And um, that's where that comes in. And then the Mad Max aspect of it, um, you've got the Dark Conquesters and the Soul Rippers that we really get, a, get into in there. And, and that's where the Mad Max piece comes in. That's why it's the fictional Far East, because it's not something where it's, we're not trying to be historically accurate. We, be, we are being respectful and not making it a when it's something that needs to be accurate we make sure it's accurate but it's designed to be fantasy i mean you know heirs of a sealed or you see what the heirs of a sealed or story is you've seen Tito come through the portal and um one of the very first panels he's in they ask him where he came from and he's like he just like they said do you know your name he's like of course my name is is keto and i'm sworn to the throne of akandakatu and then he questions mark and shiver about you know how do i know i should trust you guys you know how do i know you're not a conjurer that has brought me into this place and those couple of panels really allowed us to expand this entire story that's out there for I Am Keto. Um, you know, I could ramble on and on about what the story is and, and what's out there. And I want to leave Steph some ability to be able to uh, talk about her, her things that she really loves about the story. But um, one of the things we did do with this project was, especially with the economy the way it is, with the uh, amount of competition that's out there for entertainment, instead of making this another multi-piece arc we said this is going to be a one shot currently it's at 80 pages uh so that that way you know if you go invest your dollars in this perfect bound book that you're going to be able to get a entire story arc in this you're not going to have to wait um a year to get the next piece you're not going to have to pay shipping multiple 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 times to get the whole story um you're going to get keto's entire arc in this book um and his entire you know, and uh, that doesn't mean there's not doors that are left open uh, for whatever may be, but we know that you are going to be able to get this book. If you get this book, Chris, you're going to read it. You're going to go, okay, I feel like I've satisfactorily got this backstory of Keto in an entire volume, and I, know I don't need to get another volume to understand Keto and the Yamaran Empire in any other way. That's awesome. So what was it that made you guys decide instead of doing you know another book in the air series to go back and essentially do what a, a prequel series uh, to do this instead of going to uh perilous prospects three yeah Is that what the, well funnily enough or humorously enough whatever the right word may be this was only supposed to be a short little addition to the perilous prospects uh trade paperback when we get to that point and if you look at the history of heirs, there are a lot of times where we'll go back and see a little flashback to a character within the heir story. And um, there's even whole issues that were devoted to Syndrome's back backstory or uh, Professor Hemlock's backstory. Um, and that was all this was intended to be. But as soon as we started writing it, we realized, and we kind of had to fight it. And normally in this situation, Steph is the one that fights it more than I do. I'm always like, hey, we can add a couple of pages. And she's like, this doesn't need to continue to get bigger. But we both knew that this story needed to be bigger than we were originally intending. If we made Keto's backstory 10 pages, we'd be missing out on some really, really, really fun, really cool aspects. We would have missed out on the entire horror side of the fantasy horror that's in this story. And so we kind of let the script 
we kind of let the character development and a lot of times even the artists because there's times we're like hey this is a one page one one page situation with eight panels and the artist is like i can't tell this the way you want me to tell it in one page let me do it like this and then we would go back and look at that compared to where we had the script moving forward and we're like well at this store at this section here is now four pages it's going to be silly for the section later on to be one page so that's how the project continue to grow it's where it is right now and that's what i think is good about storytelling is you know you'll you'll write what you want the story to be and then you know when you start getting into the art part that could totally take you in a completely different direction even from where you have it in your brain to when you write it down it could take you in a different direction that you didn't normally plan on but it ends up working out for the better so that's really cool that that went that way i really like when artists uh suggest something because we're the writers, they're the artists. They're, they they know their job, how to do their job better than we do. All we can do is say, this is how we picture it in our heads. Uh, now make it. <laughs> and a lot of times it works out. And, and especially now that we've been doing this a while, we kind of know what's going to fit on a comic page and in panels uh, better than we may have in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but Alessandra Ventura, who is our uh, artist for uh, these series that we're doing, he has a really good way of suggesting something to us without coming across uh, unagreeable or overbearing. A lot of times he's very polite about it and he'll say, hey, you know, I'm looking at this this page, I'm doing this page right now, and and I don't know if this is going to work the way you guys envision it. Um, may I suggest doing it this way? And sometimes we go back and forth on it a little bit and come to a compromise. And there's other times when he says that and we're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's right. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's always nice when uh, the expert uh, offers their expert opinion and everybody agrees and everything's great. So it's nice when that happens. Yeah, there, there's times too with Alessandra that it's interesting because he'll be like, why do I have to put this specific aspect on the page? And we're like, we need that there because we are going to call that back later on. And we love to do that in our stories. If you were a fan of Tales from Nocturnia and you read the first issue of Tales from Nocturnia, there was a character that was hidden that was revealed at the end of the issue that once you got to the end of the issue you're like hold on for a second and you went back you're like dude i saw that character eight other times in the issue i didn't even realize that i needed to pay attention to that person and we did that on purpose and there are times we have to do these like he's like why do you have me drawing this we're like trust us this has to be here because we need that if you don't put that in there and we don't have the ability to call it back you're throwing off the entire arc so he's like okay i'm going to trust you guys so I can see where this is going later on. Yes. Very cool. So with this Kickstarter, you know, are you able to just get the keto story? Can you go back and get other um, other books in the series? And I know you guys usually like to add on a bunch of fun extras. So what what can people, when they go to the Kickstarter, what can they expect to see? So the first thing you can see when you get to the Kickstarter is the lyric video for the theme song, Spiral into Madness. We have that lyric video up there that also helps to uh, expand out uh, Keto's backstory and Keto's motivation for what's going to be happening in the story, why there's even a story in the first place to tell. Um, we got a lot of different covers um, that have been revealed uh, depending upon when this, this podcast drops. We've got five of the covers that are revealed right now. We have a sixth cover that, that we, it's already in the campaign, but it's listed as a secret cover and we'll reveal it partly through the campaign. Uh, the reason we did that uh, was mainly because 
this is a character that we did not want to be talking about at the beginning of the campaign. Um, she's a character that um, is probably going to start taking over the airwaves in a sense when she is revealed. And we wanted to make sure that the the main characters and, and the, the, the big um, thrust of the story was going to have the focus now. Um, if this was something where, like, for instance, when we did Heirs of Isildur, the issue that Keto was revealed in, we made sure to have his name, his image were mentioned none in the marketing, none in the campaign, because we wanted it to be a complete surprise. With this being a one shot, we felt like we'd be doing the story and the marketing a disservice to not show her beforehand. So that's why we're waiting. And so probably within the next week or so, we're going to debut that cover. And we are psyched to be able to get that character out there into the uh, into the airwaves. And and more to your, your question, um, I'm going to let Steph talk about some of the other cool things that's in this campaign. Um, but one of the if, if somebody wants to get more, we always make sure that they have the ability to get more. If there's a tier called Keto's personal story or Keto's full story so far. So if you want to get I am Keto, but then also get Perilous Prospects 1 and Perilous Prospects 2 and see his continuation, you can get that. If you want to get the entire Heirs um, universe, the extended universe, you can get all of the Heirs books um, from Crossroads Conundrum, Nightmare Scenario, Perilous Prospects, Tales from Nocturne, and I am Keto. And we um, will throw in um, an issue of Misfits Clubhouse because that has nothing to do with this arc. And it's completely for a different demographic, but we don't want to um, to not to act like Misfits doesn't exist in this campaign. So we have it where you can get Misfits, um, you know, for free if you get one of those larger tiers. Um, but yeah, we always make sure that if people want something that that it's out there in the in the add-ons or in some of those larger tiers. But Steph, I know that you would want to talk about the other cool things that we add on the swag that we put into these campaigns that always is the thing that makes our campaigns pop. <laughs> well, one a couple of the things that we're getting known for now uh, are socks and uh, leather work. <laughs> so, but we have a lot of wearables this campaign. So yeah, Matt's showing you the socks right there. Um, we started doing socks. I can't remember what. It was with Misfits Clubhouse. Okay, it was Misfits. Okay. Yeah. So for Misfits, we decided to do socks. We thought it would be kind of a fun, silly thing because um, with an all ages title, it's a lot more difficult to think of extras that people are going to really like and respond to because it might not work as well with kids. And we thought, well, yeah. socks is fun. And we found this amazing vendor who, who you, you, you never know sometimes what you're going to get. And I think there was a little bit of nervousness with those first socks where like, are these going to be like really cheap feeling? Are they going to be scratchy? They're amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, I love socks. I have a bunch of crazy socks. Yeah, wear, me too. I'm always, I'm always cold. So I'm always wearing socks and these things we've been doing them for over a year now. They've gotten washed a million times. They uh, hold up and they're super comfortable. And you know, it's a testament when uh, somebody we love it we love when um whether it's at a show or after a kickstarter or just ordering from our website that somebody posts online and says here i'm wearing or have this this item that i bought from from in sim and we we had one time where somebody posted that they were wearing the socks and all, uh, they you know there was mutual friends and they're like yeah I, i'm wearing the socks today too or i love the socks and it became like this big thread yeah here's and me we wearing it at that. a wedding yeah yeah so so we're it just became a thing it was never anything that we set out to become sock people but we 
we inadvertently are because we love them so much and everybody loves them. And they're nice little add-ons and they sell really well at conventions as well. So we are definitely doing socks again this time. We've got the dual serpent logo, which I really like. Uh, I think it looks really cool and the prototypes for the socks look amazing. And um, we're doing shirts again as well, going with the theme of wearables. But we have always been known for our leather work that we uh, do with our buddies at GB Leatherworks, Harrison Hansen and uh, Martin Irish. They, um, we met them at a steampunk show years and years ago and they became good friends of ours. And now it's like, we do a ton of conventions with them. And we're always like, you know, even one of the shows that we do that we met them at, they know to just put us next to each other. And it's just, we hang out all day and, and have That's a lot awesome. of fun. They're amazing, talented leather workers. And if you guys have never seen leather workers at work, they're like blacksmiths. It, it, it's like taking a step back in time to the medieval times. They're there hammering things. You know, they've got like their brands and stuff. It's just amazing what they can do. And these guys have had, and they they are hilarious and have some of the funniest stories of things that they have made for people. Um, but we will come up with some crazy idea and tell them and they will find a way to make it work. So we've done uh, for Tales from Nocturnia, we did, they did for us these insane dragon masks that had amazing colors to them and people could literally put them on their heads and wear them. And um, so, you know, with each campaign, it gets a little bit more difficult to go, okay, what leather work are we going to do now? Because people, the people that buy the leather work are, are very loyal about it and they, they want that. And um, yeah. so this time we have a very crazy looking mask that I'm like, I just want this as a piece just to put on like my my bookshelf or something. Um, I wouldn't even need to wear it. It just looks that cool. Yeah. Um, and then we are doing a Blazox eye patch, which is a fun little leather eye patch that people can wear, you know, if they're going to the Ren Fair or something. And then we're doing Tatsumi's hairband, which is like your typical. Um, it's the traditional uh, Japanese hairband with the, with the, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the long stick that goes through it. Um, so oh, we're, we're really excited about the pictures that they're working on them for us right now. And we think that people are going to really love them. And uh, with the, with the, the soul river mask, the big giant mask that, uh, that they made for us, those are things that when it's built based on us doing that dragon mask that stuff talked about, and when they first came to said, oh, we can do this dragon mask. We're like, hey, that's really cool. How much does it cost? We're like, oh, it's 300 bucks. We're like, who is going to buy a $300 leather dragon mask in our Kickstarter people campaign? Do. Come to find out a lot of people, people do. Yeah. Dug it. So <laughs> yeah. we didn't have a problem with adding in a $300 leather soul ripper mask. that has got all the different horns and stuff like that on there. Because you know what? There's people out there that want it. And one of the things that we'll say, and this is all we'll say, by the time this drops, there there might be some other stuff out there. But we've got some other stuff that's that's in the can right now that we're developing with them that could become a part of this prospect, could become a part of this project. That they, oh, they're nice. just a lot of a lot of logos. I mean, the the Tatsumi's hairband and Blazik's eye patch, which is exclusive to the campaign. Once the campaign's done, we're not going to make those anymore. And the solar for mask are super awesome. But there are some things that are going to fit right down there in the middle between the price range of those smaller things, that big gigantic mask that we absolutely can't wait to unveil. We'll just have to see when we can avail them in the campaign. Perfect. 
And I'm like, like you said, I'm a big sock guy myself. I'm kind of becoming known for my crazy socks. Matter of fact, I have Macho Man Randy Savage socks on today. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm definitely gonna have to look at that for sure. Yeah, I hardly have any serious socks. I mean, I'd like the only time I wear normal looking socks is when I run and they're like the athletic socks. Otherwise, I'm the person that's buying, you know, I have like four pairs of shark socks. <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just whatever it speaks to me. And usually it's something, you know, horror themed or shark yeah. themed or Jaws themed that I've got a bunch of socks. And we, and we really didn't want to do when we did the last Misfits Clubhouse campaign. We were like, oh, we don't have to do socks for sharks, dragons, the little red wagons. You know, we're, are we going to typecast ourselves? But yeah. that the character in there, Bruce McTootherson, aquatic investigator, um, our artist for that reheal, Mosin just really caught the vibe for how cool he could draw Bruce McTootherson and just kept on looking at it and kept on looking at it. And one day I was like, Steph, I know we don't want to do socks, but I think that we have to for this one. And she's like, no, we don't have to do socks. I'm like, let me just let me just show you a template of this cool Bruce McTootherson stuff. And once I showed her the template, she's like, okay, you're right. We got to do it. And so once we kind of- I never said, no, we can't do socks. I was, I was on the fence about it. I never said no. No, no, no. But I meant by that, we both, we both were like, we both were like, no, we're not going to do it. But then the art just kind of forced our hand to do it because it was going to be such probably the coolest socks we've done to this point. And now once that lid was blown off, we're like, okay, every campaign we're going to have socks. doesn't matter what it is. We're doing socks. That's what we are. If we don't put socks in the campaign, then we're doing ourselves a disservice. That's who we are. We got to put them in there. So that's why there's socks. Perfectly in themed with your podcast. We're just embracing the weirdness that is the we're the hey. sock people. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you get you can't fight it. You just gotta you nope. just gotta go with it. I mean, especially with Misfits Clubhouse, that's one I think of all the campaigns to not do socks on. Yeah, that's definitely the one to do socks yeah. on for sure. Now it's a given. And honestly, we have people that are. I think if we didn't do it at this point, there'd be a couple people that'd be writing us and saying, "Why didn't you do socks? I want more socks." So. And I definitely think on the next Mr. Clubhouse, when you do socks, because you'll be doing socks again, definitely include the pirate character. Yes. Oh man, it's a it's such a trip how uh, it's such a trip how how characters will jump out and kind of like become bigger than the brand. Bruce did that. Captain Bluebeard did that. Um, there's a couple of characters in Airs that the way that Alessandro drew them. Like he was drawing background characters. Hey, we need some of the people that are in Shadows Haven that are going crazy that are going to be at this thing. And he drew a couple of characters and we're like, dude, this person right here, we would like screenshot and we're like, this person right here, this is now this character's name. This character is going to become somebody. That character got a trading card. That character yes. is like actually a an actual part. Like you've seen him in, in Perilous Prospects too. He's definitely going to play a big role in in three. But it's great when a car- when an artist draws something that forces you to have to rethink what you were doing. There's some stuff even in, in uh, I Am Keto where the way that Alessandro drew some things, we had to go back and rethink. We're like, we need to feature this person more. This this character more this style of character a little more because he was really catching the vibe on it and um you know you just kind of have to roll with it sometimes you can't always do that but we're like dude this this character looks really cool or this setting is really cool and it's going to be stupid for us to not just roll with this thing and so you, sometimes that art just kind of helps to to force that narrative yeah definitely for sure all right well uh speaking of upcoming stuff after this kickstarter what's next for you guys either 
you know, separately or together? What do you, what do you have coming up that you can talk about? Uh, the two most obvious things that we have coming up are um, Misfits Clubhouse. There's going to be a scout release of uh, Sharks, Dragons, and Little Red Wagons. But then there is also going to be a trade paperback version of, of Misfits Clubhouse that is going to go through Simon & Schuster and is available in previews right now through, um, you, can, you can go to Barnes & Noble, you can go to Amazon, you can look it up. And what that's going to have in it is all these stories from the first two issues for Scout, which is seven stories. We mm. also did a story called Dress Up, Mess Up that was only in the first Kickstarted version. And we have another small short that is going to be for the first time ever in that book version. So that's oh, nice. going to be coming out. That story is, is coming along super fun. We had a ton of fun writing that. And then also we're going to have our story lost girl that is going to be coming out and cthulhu invades neverland from orange cone productions uh that campaign just finished up on kickstarter so we're going to have that story that's going to be out there and obviously when this is done we have to uh get our butts in gear to be working on perilous prospects part three very cool all right well uh before we go let's give us some final thoughts to um up and coming creatives or you know wannabe writers creators that are maybe just too afraid to get out there and get creating what's What's some advice you'd give, Steph? Let's start with you. The advice I always give, and it doesn't change, so I know a lot of people are like, and Steph always says the same thing, but it, it is so true. Uh, and it, it is a mantra that I have for running that actually fits well with writing as well. Um, and that's, you need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. There are a lot of aspects of getting into the industry and putting yourself out there to get to know people, because if, if people don't know you, they're not going to know whether to support you or not. Um, and you have to kind of step out of your comfort zone a little bit to do that. A lot of us don't like to do the social media thing or promote our work or kind of, you know, it, it, it's it's a, a uncomfortable thing to do sometimes because you don't want to come off as begging or, you know, any of that stuff. But it is a part of this industry. It's a part of what you do. And that's how you get to know people and gather supporters that are going to want to um, support you and follow you and and purchase uh, the things that you create. So you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because uh, you're gonna you're gonna have rejections. If you're submitting your stuff to publishers, you're not gonna get a yes every single time. There's nobody <laughs> that gets that. Even people in Hollywood who are pitching scripts to studios get no's all the time. So sure. you have to um, you have to get comfortable with the fact that you may get a review that might not be uh, incredibly positive and you have to learn to not take read that and get so upset that you just say, oh, I'm never doing this again. Learn from it, grow from it, take what they're saying and try to you know, see if there's anything that you can apply to the next thing that you write. So um, get okay with stepping out of your comfort zone, getting to know people, supporting others and um, trying to learn and grow from your mistakes and um it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to be wrong sometimes because that's how we learn and get better the next time that we do something i would say um, you can either be an excuse maker or you can be a risk taker and if you have something that you want to do there is no reason to not try to start taking a step towards that right now and the way to do that is 
to, and I know I wish that Google paid me a, a stipend because we <laughs> the heck out of Google, but go up right now and create yourself a Google Sheet or a Google Doc and have it up on your computer, have it up on your phone because it's a shared document. So um, that like, for instance, we've got our scripts for you know everything we do. I've got it up right now. Steph has it up. Our artists around the world have it up. So that way it's there as an open work living document. But have that document up and start notating things that you can do to further what you're trying to do and see how many of those things you can cross off the list right now. Easy wins. It could be something as minimal as I need to go follow five people on Kickstarter that are running projects that I that I want to see how those projects are working. I need to go research the way that tiers are structured. I need to go, as Steph said, she spent six months learning how to write comic scripts. I need to go find a link for what that is. Take a step today when you are getting ready to, and I don't want to say right before you go to bed, but say a couple hours before you are you think you're going to go to bed, say, have I done everything that I can do today? to further this thought process. And if you have, then you're good to go. If you haven't, then say, what can I do right now so that I can have a clear conscience in moving forward to that goal? And keep track of every little thing you do because you could get to the end of a day and you could be like, man, I don't think I got anything accomplished today. And then you go back and you're like, holy crap, I paid this bill and I sent five people emails and I, for us, we lettered this page, we flatted this page, we sent an email to this artist, we received this in from an artist and we cataloged this and, and you're like, holy crap, we actually touched 15 different things today, but it just didn't feel like it. So that way you can say, okay, I can see that I'm making progress as I go. Like I said at the beginning of the statement, you can either be an excuse maker or a risk taker. You can find every excuse known to man to not take that risk. And it's easy, easy to find a way to get out of doing something. It's the people that take that risk that Steph said are, are, are comfortable with being uncomfortable, putting yourself out there, trying new things. Those are the ones that are going to have a lot better chance of having success. Definitely. That's great advice, guys. Thank you. Now, if we want to keep up with you guys with everything that's going on. Where can people find you on the internet? Right now, the most important place you can go is to the Kickstarter campaign. Obviously, we're trying to get this thing not only funded, um, the, the amount that's listed on there is the minimum funding goal. We always set that low so that that way we can get to stretch goals, where we can unlock items, unlock tiers, get things back to people. Uh, to get there, you want to go to tinyurl.com forward slash IamKido. That is I-A-M-Q-I-D-O. Um, so you want to go to tinyurl.com forward slash I am keto to get to the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, it ends on September 21st and we need you to come be, come a part of the empire there. But if you're like, dudes, I, I don't want to go to the Kickstarter campaign right now. I want to see all these other cool things. You talked about Steph having over 80 bylines, writing all these articles, go to linktree.com forward slash in symmetry creations, I N S Y M M E T R Y creations. And all of our links are there to uh, all of the albums that we've written to our website, to our different stories, uh, to Steph's uh, articles, everything is there at that link tree. Very cool. All right, now for us, 
You can find this interview when it drops and all sorts of other geeky goodness at our website at geek-network.com. You can find us on the socials on Twitter and Instagram at geeksaz. You can find us on Facebook at Geek Network. I am CD is weird on Instagram. The music for the show is by my friends in the band Polygon Horizon. They're a great band. Go check them out on Bandcamp. The logos for the show are done by my friends Chris Chandler and Mike Belcher. Amazing comic book guys. Go check them out on social media. And if you like the show, please leave a review and tell your friends because word of mouth is our friend. Folks, to remember kids to always embrace the things that feel your weird and always geek responsibly. Matt, Steph, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks a lot, Thank man. you so Appreciate much for having it. us.